Hello, everybody. What's going on? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Talk and Audio Podcast. My name is Matt Robinson. Thank you for joining me here today. It's it's a good-looking show, uh, as you saw in the title before you clicked on this. Uh, our buddy Dan Schulman back on the podcast. It's been uh, been a couple of months. We try not to bug Dan too often. He's a pretty busy guy, but uh, he's involved with a beer. And when that happened, there was really no way around it. I had to come knocking again. I had to see what was going on and how he got involved with it. We'll, of course, get into uh, some Blue Jays talk, maybe a little uh, FIBA basketball talk, all of that uh, with Dan Schulman coming up here in just a minute. Uh, give us a follow on social media at Talk and Audio and uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. If you're enjoying everything that we're, uh, we're putting out, we'd love to have you on board either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are. Uh, go ahead and give that uh, that follow button a press. We appreciate it. And uh, in case you missed it, on Tuesday morning, our buddy Matt Connus Vita was in here. Matt, of course, has worked for a long time over at TSN 1200. We went in-depth with him on some craft beer talk. Uh, really, really bright guy when it comes to music, so we had quite a bit to talk about there. And then, of course, he's been hosting those pre- and post-game shows for the Ottawa Red Blacks this season as well. So you'll want to go back and, uh, and hear what he had to say about them as it's been... Oh, it's been a fairly tough season once again for the Ottawa Red Blacks and their fans uh, in the CFL. And before that, uh, Rob and I got, uh, that was a two-hour show, a three-beer show. We don't have too many three-beer shows anymore, uh, but uh, we had tons to talk about there. The Sens, the Leafs, the Penguins, the Blue Jays. Um, man, it was a busy episode of the podcast. Rod, Rob had been away for a couple of weeks, so we had lots to uh, to catch up on. So lots up on the uh, podcast feed right now at tallcanaudio.com or wherever you're hearing us. Go back and check out some of that. And, uh, and like I said, stick around because we're going to keep, uh, we're going to keep the good stuff coming for you with that all out of the way. Let's bring him in our, our guest today from, uh, from Sportsnet and the Toronto Blue Jays broadcast team. Dan Schulman's here. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm well, Matt. How are you doing? I'm not too bad at all. And, uh, and look, there's a few different things that, uh, that I want to ask you about here today. We got to talk some Blue Jays. We're going to talk a little FIBA, but you know where I have to start because, uh, <laughs> at some point here, when we had you on, you, you said you're. You're a beer guy, but not a huge beer yeah. guy. And, and then I see the news that you are involved in a craft beer with left field. And uh, at that point, I try not to bother you too often, but I had to come knocking, Dan. So tell us, yeah. how did you get involved with this? So um, it, it involved might even be a little bit too strong, but we actually did it last year. So the backstory is left field brewery, which is this wonderful little family owned microbrewery in Toronto. And they're huge baseball fans uh, before COVID. I guess I was at an event with them somewhere, and um, they said to me, hey, would you like to collaborate on a beer? And I said, sure, and, and not even knowing what that means. And, <laughs> and and then COVID hit, and the world shut down and all that. And then, you know, fast forward two, three years, and um, we just kind of, uh, you know, picked up the paper trail again. And I said, sure. And, uh, uh, and they said, come on in, and we can talk about it. And I said, great. I said, I've got a, uh, somebody I know who knows a lot more about beer than I do. Can I bring him in as well? And they said, sure. And that somebody was John Schneider. Oh, nice. Um, who at the time was the bench coach, not the manager. Sure. And so uh, we went in and um, and spent time with them. And they, you know, they talked about what kind of beer and asked us some questions. And we decided on an IPA and we chose what kind of hops and what kind of, you know, fruity aftertaste we wanted and what, what percentage alcohol and all that. And obviously they're doing 99.99% of the work and they're just uh, kind enough to, uh, to involve us. And, and uh, a few months later, this is last year now, um, they rolled out one called Magic Number. And they just make, I guess for these specialty beers, these are like one-offs. They okay. just do one big, uh, 
giant, I don't even know what you'd call it, a keg or vat or whatever. So, um, and then they did it again this year and uh, did a different one. So this one is called Frozen Rope. So um, uh, Schneid and I are, I, I, you know, barely involved. Um, uh, I think I think Schneider chose the name Magic Number last year and I chose the name Frozen Rope. And if you look at the label, you'll uh, for each of them, you'll see a little tiny kind of... Um, uh, homage to each of us. Um, uh, magic number, I believe, had number 14 on it, which is his number, and a pair of like headphones for me. And then I think this year there's kind of a silhouette of him leaning over the railing and there's a microphone for me or something like that. So, um, you know, and then uh, they invite us down for the for the little uh, the cut the ribbon party. And we have a nice afternoon, pose for a couple of pictures and drink some beer. And that's that's all she wrote. Is this like is an IPA if you're going to sit down on a, a summer day and have a beer? Is that sort of a go to for you or how did you land on that? type of beer um well, that's where i brought uh i deferred to schneid okay. and the beer people on that so i like an ipa i also like a lighter lager i think you and i had this conversation mm-hmm. once before that um and my brother-in-law he's the same age as me and we're kind of in the same boat as we get older uh our beer tastes are getting uh a little lighter both um you know so um they have uh, Lefield Brewery also has one that's simply called Ice Cold Beer, which is their best-selling lager, I believe, and and um, I'm a big fan of that. So um, I, I can go either way. I'm not going to drink um, uh, anything too dark or too heavy. That's just always been a little bit too much uh, for me. But uh, you know, an IPA, a Pilsner, a lager, anything like that, I'm happy with. Well, that's funny because uh, that Ice Cold Beer I talked about a week or two ago when uh, one of the other bald baritones from Sportsnet, Tim McAuliffe, was on the podcast uh. and. And he was looking for, he was said exactly what you were saying that, uh, you know, as I get a little older, I'm looking to tone it back just a little on, on some of this. And he asked uh, us to give him some suggestions and ice cold beer is the one that I said, you know, it's a local brewery. It's, it's not yeah. too overpowering and it is awesome on a hot summer day. It's great. So, yeah. It's, it's absolutely great on a hot day because I mean, it's an ice cold beer. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and, and, um, so I have some of those and I have some of, um, a frozen rope in my fridge. And also as luck would have it, uh, near where my wife and I and, and our son live, there's this little kind of hole in the wall pizza joint. And they, I, I believe literally have two different beers on the menu. I don't know what the other one is, but one of them is ice cold beer. Oh, like wow. you're not walking in there and getting a, a blue or a Canadian or a Coors Light or a Miller Light or whatever. And, and, um, just by happy coincidence, it's an ice cold beer. And we go there every couple of weeks on a Sunday night after my game, um, and I'm very happy to support Leftfield Brewery in that tiny way, but um, super nice people, super big Blue Jay fans, so it, it's been nice to get to know them. Well, we did place an order there from Leftfield because we had to try this, and uh, once I found out that you and I were going to be chatting in the morning, I felt like that wasn't going to be a great time to be sampling it, so we had it on the show the other day there, a couple of us, we were enjoying it quite a bit, so uh, we can certainly the, the, the recommend frozen the frozen rope. The, the, rope. Cool the frozen rope, yeah. It, it's it's uh, good, isn't it? It really is nice, yeah. It's got a little it's mango really flavor good. to yeah. it, kind of yeah. a little tropical. It's It's a gorgeous beer. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, I'm thrilled with it, and and my uh, my uh, my fee was a two four. That's what they gave me for that. So I I think I'm about halfway through them uh, now. My my nighttime routine when I get home from a weeknight game is kind of fifty fifty. It depends if my wife is awake or asleep when I get home. But um, if she's asleep, it's me and the dog and a beer and watch a West Coast baseball game for about half an hour to wind down before sure, I go to bed. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about some baseball, but I want to first start with what you did there uh, around the beginning of September, end of August, calling the uh, the FIBA 
tournament and uh, and what K- Team Canada did over at the World Cup. Uh, can you just first maybe tell us a little what your day was like? Because some of these games were, it was a couple, I think, 4.30 a.m. starts yeah. on the same day as some Blue Jays action. How did you manage to balance all that? Yeah, so FIBA, uh, Canada basketball has always been kind of this little side passion of mine. But it's there's never been that much that I've been able to do simply because most of it was not on television. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in 2015, was it 15 or 16? Uh, 15, I guess it was. The FIBA Americas, I did that um, with Leo Routens. That's when Canada lost to Venezuela in a heartbreaker in Mexico City and yeah. didn't go to the Olympics. And then I did the Victoria qualifier in 2020 when they lost in a heartbreaker. If they've if they've lost in a heartbreaker, sadly, unfortunately, I think I've been on the game. But um, one of the best things, just selfishly, was when Sportsnet acquired the rights to Canada basketball a couple of years ago. And I mean, 10 seconds later, I called my boss and I begged and I said, let me do whatever I can do. I know I can't do all of it, baseball and all that and ESPN college basketball, but let me do what I can do. So um I was thrilled when I found out we were going to be televising the World Cup, and the it, it was kind of a blessing and a curse. the uh, The curse was the games were taking place in Indonesia and the Philippines, so a lot, so they were at crazy hours over here. Right. But the blessing was that's what actually actually allowed me to kind of double dip and do that in the Blue Jays at the same time. So um, the World Cup was a seventeen day period from a Friday until two Sundays later. Um, Blue Jays were home for a week, gone for a week, and then back for the weekend uh, of the last weekend of the World Cup. So I did not go on the Blue Jay road trip to Colorado and Oakland. I wouldn't have been able to to do the FIBA. So kind of like in February, when we knew the FIBA schedule and knew the Blue Jay schedule, we sorted that out. But I, I had to go to my bosses and say, here are the game times for FIBA. Here are the Blue Jay times. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I can do this. Um, you know that I did the Olympics. I did basketball for the Olympics for CBC a couple of years ago, right? And that again was remote, and that was in Tokyo. So a lot of the same stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry. And kind of convinced my boss, who knows I'm a bit of a workhorse, that I can pull the. Uh, you know, I can manage this. So um, it was kind of different uh, every day, but the the FIBA games were either 4:30 in the morning or 8:30 in the morning. And then the Blue Jay games, depending on what day of the week it was, were either 7 at night or if it was a Saturday, 3 p.m. or if it was a Sunday, 1.30 p.m. So it just worked out great. The um, uh, I, I mean, great in the sense that I was able to do both, not great in the sense that I got much sleep. So the, <laughs> so for the for the 4.30 a.m., my alarm would go off at 2.30 a.m. And um, I'd be in the car at 3 and at the studio at 3.30, by 3.30, and the game would start at 4.30 I'd be done at 6.30, and I'd go back home, and I'd go back to sleep for two, three hours. Um, and it depended if my game was 1.30 that day or 7 o'clock sure. that night for the Blue Jays. So part of the issue was not getting a lot of sleep. Part of the issue was having to prepare, like, oh, I've got the Blue Jays and the Red Sox tonight, and then I've got Canada and Latvia at 4.30 in the morning tomorrow. <laughs> and, and, you know, so I was joking with, you know, they'd send me an email or a text, hey, do you want to do this? And I'd say, I'm kind of up to my eyebrows in Latvia right now, right. so I can't talk to you about the Blue Jays. But um, I don't know if I could. Uh, I mean, if I had to do it another week, I could have done it another week. But uh, it was tiring. We did. I think we did eight. Canada played eight basketball games. So in a whatever, 17 day period, I did like 10 or 11 Blue Jay games and eight basketball games and. Um, you know, just kind of set multiple alarms and make sure you shave the night before and, and you go do it. 
again, I beg to do it. I loved doing it, and uh, I'm thrilled that it worked out. You find yourself like accidentally throwing down a, a Latvian basketball player's name standing at the plate <laughs> that night, or any uh, near misses like that? <laughs> no, I managed to avoid that. Um, the worst one of those that I did was last year. Uh, I was doing Duke in North Carolina. And uh, at the end of the game, Duke, the Blue Devils, had beaten North Carolina. And as they're walking off the floor, I said, what a win for the Blue Jays. And <laughs> instead of what a win for the Blue Devils. And then coincidentally, the Duke head basketball coach is John Shire, which is kind of close to oh, John no. Schneider. <laughs> so, But I, I never mix those up. But my first day of spring training, I walked into the complex in Dunedin, like literally my first day. And the first guy I see, because his locker is right near the door, is George Springer. And as soon as I walk in, he's, he's pointing at me and laughing. And I'm going, what? What? And he goes, you said Blue Jays at the Duke game. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I think that's the uh, kind of the worst crossover one I've ever done. But you know what? You, you make fun of yourself and you smile and you move on. I, one of the cool things about this qualifier was, you know, having your – um, you know, your call on it gave it that kind of big time feel, right? Sometimes you get an international feed, you don't really know who, whatever. But this is somebody that sports fans in Canada know this voice, know that the, the this means this is a big deal. And I, I said to Tim a couple of weeks ago that I'm a casual basketball fan at best. I'm not watching Raptors Sacramento on a Tuesday night at 10 o'clock. If, if they're in the playoffs, I'll check it out. But I haven't missed any of these Canadian qualifying tournaments. I'm one of those people right. who, if it's wrapped in the Maple Leaf, you've probably got my attention, despite how hard they've tried to push me away with some of those disappointing losses and right. what was going on. But it really seemed to catch on this summer. Tim and I were talking a little about how he said the basketball, and, and for a, a little while until lately, Canadian men's soccer was the same way. It wasn't getting that same you know, Maple Leaf love that that often it does. This summer felt different. Is it, in your opinion... Just some of the bigger names getting involved, the the legitimate opportunity to get on a run here, or, or what was different about this team, Canada? It's two things. They got more of the top players committing for one. You know, so in, at the World Cup in 2019, as an example, I'm trying to remember exactly. Corey Joseph was on the team. Dwight Powell was on the team. Kem Birch was on the team, but. It wasn't nearly as good a team as this. Um, so one, you, you know, you had seven NBA players, whereas in past you'd have two or three. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a big part of it. And like you were saying, and like you know, and like I know, there'd been a lot of heartbreak before. So a lot of people were kind of, geez, I don't know if I want to emotionally invest in this again, if I'm just going to get my heart broken. But um, I think it, it starts with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like when Shea is in, and I mean Shea is in, um, you know, and his cousin is Nikhil Alexander Walker. So he's in, right. You know, you've got Olenek and Powell who have been lifers and then Lou Dort shows up and he's terrific, you know, and, and obviously RJ Barrett is there. And then maybe the, what put it over the top was Dylan Brooks. I didn't think Dylan Brooks would be on this team. I really didn't. Hmm. Um, but Dylan Brooks committed. And as anybody who watched the games knows, Dylan Brooks committed. I mean, you know, he played his rear end on this. So I think the biggest thing is getting stars, getting Shea, getting Dylan Brooks, that sort of thing. The second thing, which I, I kind of already mentioned in a different light, is the games were on TV. And um, it used to be crazy hard to find them, yes. you know, and I was one of those weirdos who would wake up at five in the morning to watch them play, you know, the uh, U.S. Virgin Islands or Columbia <laughs> or whatever they're doing. But, uh, 
there aren't many that many of us weirdos. You know, you put it on TV, and and it's a lot easier to find the game. So um, I think that was a big part of it. Uh, I have some friends, like some of my closest friends, uh, basket huge basketball fans, but Raptor fans. Mm-hmm. Like a week before this, I'm like on our WhatsApp chat and I said, are you boys fired up for the France game Friday? And like nobody knows what I'm talking about. Oh. <laughs> and that has changed. They, they Now, are they still bigger Raptor fans or Canada fans? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like there's room in our lives for both, right? Sure. And, and, and um, it, you know, if you ask me, the, the basketball I invest more of my energy in than anything else is Canada basketball over even even college that I work on or the NBA. But a lot of people still didn't know this was coming and still don't. And and this is not their fault. Still didn't understand and don't understand the qualification process because it's very convoluted. Um, But I would say, you know, for every person who knew all about this before, I bet you there's five or ten people, you know, that many time, five or ten times as many people who know about it now. And the beauty of them qualifying in the World Cup is instead of nine or ten months of angst, Where's the last chance tournament going to be? Who are they going to be with? Who's going to commit? They're in, right? right? They're in. And now, really, the biggest question is, will Jamal Murray play if Denver goes deep into the playoffs? And will they supplement the roster a little bit with guys who didn't commit last time? But those are okay. Those questions are okay. And and, um, I'm thrilled with how it turned out. People worked so, so, so hard to get them to this level. And, you know, I don't know if they can be on the podium. I think they'll need, you know, to add to their team a little bit to make the podium in the Olympics. But just the fact that they are there is a, uh, you know, a wonderful, a huge, wonderful step for this program. Well, you mentioned staying out of those last chance tournaments, man. There are some European powerhouses who I'm sure did not expect that... uh that they were going to have to be in them. So that'll be, uh, it's good to yeah. be out of the way and not involved in that. I, last thing on this, I am curious because, you know, I, I, even basketball fans, Raptors fans, probably aren't watching a lot of, of OKC games, right? Is SGA always this good? Or in your opinion, did he take it to another level for Canada? Or, or, or were we just underestimating what he was? Right. So, so I'll freely admit, I don't watch a ton of NBA at this point in my life uh, between having a four-year-old doing the Blue Jays and then doing college <laughs> basketball all winter. But he averaged 31 points per game and was first-team All-NBA. Yeah. So, you know, that um, even if you've never seen him play, if you just look up his numbers online, you go, whoa. So I, I think he, you know, I think we all went into this hoping he would be one of the best players in the tournament. But as FIBA fans uh, are aware, some guys are better in FIBA than they are in the NBA. Some guys are worse. Um, I think Shea Gilgis Alexander is one of those, like Dennis Schroeder, for example, Raptor now, yep. better in FIBA. Uh, Kelly Olynyk, better in FIBA. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander, I think, has shown that he's equally outstanding in both. Um, they needed him to be their best player, and he was after, say, the first half of the first game against France. Sorry, my dog is barking. No problem. What's going on? But she's excited about something. So. Um, <laughs> They needed him to be their best player. And I think it took him a while to get the feel for it. He played, I think, in two or maybe three qualifier games. Uh, But those aren't as intense. And the level of competition was good, but not as good as what they saw in the World Cup. And um, as you know, I was doing the game with Alvin Williams. And he he and I would talk a lot because he hadn't really covered FIBA before. And he never played FIBA. He never played internationally. And he looked at me like after the first game or, you know, we went out for a beer one night and 
And, and he said, this is totally different. He goes, this is so much harder. He said, in the NBA, if the ball's on the weak side, you're just kind of standing around a little bit. He goes, not in FIBA. Like, they're always reversing the ball, back screen, cross screen, down screen. Mm. You know, like it never stops. The ball moves, moves, moves. And it's more physical. And you saw how many times Shea got knocked to the court yeah. uh, and then had to get up and make free throws. And I, I will maintain with every bit of the small basketball knowledge I have, a 40-minute FIBA game is more physically and mentally intense than a 48-minute NBA game. You will not be able to convince me otherwise. And until guys step into that environment, I think it's and, – and, and another thing, I don't think as much of that comes across on TV as it should. And – I wish it did. You know, we're we're taking a FIBA world feed, which if people don't know what that is, it's not like Sportsnet had 12 cameras over there. We weren't shooting our own show. That's a world feed. And what you, what people saw in Canada is exactly what they saw in Latvia and Lithuania and France and Australia and everywhere around the world. But then what you do is every country has its own announcers, if you so choose, sure. which Sportsnet chose. So. I, uh, I think FIBA does a wonderful, wonderful job with a lot of things, but but the intensity of the crowd, the noise in the building didn't jump off the screen at me, and, and I wish it had. I, I think it's very intense. So, um, But I thought Shea was spectacular, and I thought Dylan Brooks was spectacular. And anything less than spectacular for both of those guys, they don't win a bronze, obviously. They had to go to overtime to win it. And they might not even be in the Olympics. Like, look how narrowly they got there. They had to beat Spain. Must win game. And they, they're they down 12 at the end of the third quarter. After coming back from Spain. down 10. Like, you yeah, get all the way out of it down 10, and do it again. <laughs> then do it again. Um, uh, Garuba dunks on them, like, right at the end of the third quarter. Like, just, uh, like, the game's over, right? They're right. getting run off the court in transition at the end of the third quarter. And somehow they dig deep and win that game. Um they beat France, Latvia, Spain, the United States, I'm uh, Slovenia. They had a spectacular tournament, right. absolutely spectacular tournament. And um, Shea was the biggest part of that. And, you know, for years and years and years, Corey Joseph was the leader in the face of the program, and wonderfully so. Did unbelievable stuff for that program. Um, now you've got one of the maybe the five or six best basketball players in the world who's the face of the program. And again, like, like I said, he's emotionally invested in this, and you can see that. And as long as Shea is there, um, Canada can compete with just about anybody. Well, they were wonderful broadcast. Congratulations to you and your team on that. I'm, I'm one you. of those people who, you know, maybe I'm a little jaded, I'm a little cynical, and like I said, as a casual basketball fan, and yet there it is on a Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m., I am up, I'm engaged, I am locked into this, so uh, so congratulations to you guys on that. I, I do have to take you to the Blue Jays, and everything, the, the most common question that I have, uh, have been told to ask you is, are we getting Dan on the playoff games if they get in this year? Last year, you were moving on to, to cover it, I believe, for ESPN, um, yeah. and, uh, and so people want to know, will you be with the Jays this year? Yes, I will. So um, uh, th- this is actually the first time I'm speaking about this publicly. Cool. So it, it's uh, it's uh, as you and I talk for because you know as you know people listen uh, on different days. Mm-hmm. It is Wednesday morning right now. So uh, the Blue Jays are about to play Garrett Cole and the Yankees tonight, and they have not clinched a playoff spot. So um, you, uh, you know I'm not jinxing anything. I'm just a- a- answering a hypothetical question sure. here. But yes, if the Blue Jays make the playoffs. 
Sportsnet will be continuing its own broadcast, and this is the first year where I am not with ESPN Radio for the playoffs. And, um, you know, to put it simply, I had a contract with ESPN and, 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 you know, incredible, wonderful opportunity. I've done the last 12 World Series for ESPN Radio. Um, But, you know, um, year to year, I've been kind of transitioning back to the Blue Jays more and more from, you know, doing more games in the regular season, would you like me to tell my dog to be quiet? Or are you okay? He's just as excited as we are that you're about <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, he's excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let me open the door here and see what's sure. going on. Hang on one second. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'm back. She's going out for her walk. That's right. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Um, so, yes, as I've been, you know, back and back doing more and more games, like I, I came back initially in 2016 and, and was only doing about 30 games. So, obviously, that number has increased. And, when I found out, I guess last year, that uh, Sportsnet would be allowed to do its own broadcast in the playoffs, which for people who don't know, we're the only team slash network that can do that because we don't infringe on Fox's ratings or TBS's ratings or anything like that because we're tucked away in this other country. Right. So, um, you know, I, I just couldn't. Uh, I didn't want to be here all season and then not be here in the postseason. So this is the year when. Um, you know, that last, uh, I'm still with ESPN doing college basketball, but I've given up the radio for the playoffs and it was done for this reason. It was done so I could stay with Sportsnet and do Blue Jays games in the postseason, fully understanding that if they don't make it, I don't work in October. Right. Um, but at this point, uh, of my life, this is, this is where I want to be, uh, you know, just like the Canada basketball, I'm not going to lie and say, I'm not emotionally invested in how this team does. I'm, I'm from here. I grew up here. I went to games as a, as a kid and, um, you know, everybody I know in Canada roots for this team. So, um, yes, I, I will, uh, I, I think if, and when they clinch, I will put something out on social media or something like that. But since you asked me a direct question, I gave you a direct answer. I appreciate that. And, uh, and blue Jay fans will be excited to hear it. No doubt. Um, and you kind of mentioned it, that it's it was no guarantee. It's still, as you and I chat, no guarantee that they will be in. I'm curious, you've been up close and watching this uh, all season. I know you're on social media, so you probably are fairly familiar with how the fan base has felt. Um, I, I guess frustrated almost all year would be just about the best word I could paint for the fans. Yeah. I, I'm it, It's been almost counterintuitive, and I'm just as guilty of it as anybody, but like, They've never been out of it. They've never looked like there's no chance they were going to make the playoffs all season long. They've looked like a pretty good team, but maybe just not as good as we expected or the way they were losing would be extra frustrating. I'm curious, as someone who's been up close and watching it, are you getting the same vibes when you talk to the fan base or hear the fan base? Is that frustration carrying through the organization? Or are they somewhat isolated from it? Like, What's your view of this thing been? Because it's, it's never been quite as bad as it's felt. Yeah, I agree. For for uh, there in 2021, when they scored a million runs, the fans were in love with this team. Um, and, and I think I I don't know if I'm right, but I think fans are more likely to be frustrated with a team that is struggling to score than a team that is struggling to pitch well. Um, I think when Vladdy's hitting a zillion home runs and Marcus Simeon and Teoscar had a big year and and all that stuff, I the, you know that. There's more action in those games. Um, so I think fans, all things being equal, a 90-win offensive team versus a 90-win pitching team, I think fans are more likely to be happy with a 90-win offense team and less happy with a 90-win a pitching team. The players feel it. The players are aware of it. Um, you know, the expectations were sky high this year. The funny thing 
is uh, so there are you know Baltimore, Tampa Bay, the Dodgers, and the Braves. Those four teams, their records are significantly better than anybody else. After that, it's a mishmash: Texas, Toronto, Houston, Seattle, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, et cetera, et cetera. When you look at the division the Blue Jays play in, and it's a much harder division than any other division, it's I actually don't even know if this is an opinion. Like they've had the, they've been the fifth best team in baseball this right. year because if they played in another division, they'd have more wins. So, but I agree and understand why fans have felt disappointed, and and I think the reason they have felt disappointed again one is they just haven't hit, and I think that bothers fans hit as much as we thought they would. Sure, I think that bothers fans a lot. The funny thing is they're fifteenth out of 30, 30 in runs scored. So their average, like half the teams in baseball are worse than they are offensively. But I know it doesn't feel like that to the fans. The other thing I, to, uh, thing I think as well is there have been some very high profile players who have not had the kinds of years that were expected of them. One is Vladdy, obviously. And it's amazing to say with a guy who's got 24 homers and 93 RBIs. Yeah. But I get it. Um, there's more in there. And we've seen it. Um, Alejandro Kirk. Not close. Uh, Springer's had his ups and downs, although he's, you know, he's finishing strong. Mm -hmm. And then the whole Alec Manoa thing was another, you know, another big story. I mean, even if everything, even if they don't score one more run than they've scored, if Alec Manoa just has a decent season, they're comfortably in the playoffs at this point. So uh, I understand the frustration. And, and I think the front office put together a team that, should have done more to be on, you know, I think this is on the players, right? So, you know, the players got to play um, as well as they're capable of. And there have been a few guys who just haven't quite been there this year, but um, they're still in it. They are still in control of their own destiny. Uh, if they go three and two in their last five, they're in. If they go two and three in their last five, they're almost assuredly in. They can even get in if they go one and four, if some things roll right, on the out-of-town scoreboard. And I do feel they are the team that if they get in, you don't want to play them in the playoffs. But, you know, they've, they've, they've just not hit as much as we expected them to hit all season long. They didn't hit anything last night against Michael King and company. And, and you know, can they beat good teams? Can they beat good pitchers with with this lineup? Um, it, it's, it's 157 games in already. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe we have to accept this is who they are. And if they're if they're going to do it, they're going to do it by winning three to two and two to one, not eight to six or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I understand the frustration. The players have felt the frustration. And I just hope they can find a way to do enough to get in. Well, so last one for you, then you, you've kind of alluded to it already that if, if they do get in, this wouldn't be a team you would want to play. And I've sort of been wrestling with that a bit myself in the playoffs. We know how important pitching is. And we know how important the bullpen is and that is something the Blue Jays have in spades right now. Um, but there's been some talk lately, and I believe Alex Anthopoulos was on the radio in Toronto, maybe he was the one who stirred all this up a little bit, was that you rarely string together three, four, five hits and, and play small ball in the playoffs quite the same way as occasionally needing to just thunder out a three-run shot and and yeah. you know do some damage all at once. And power really isn't something that this team has shown this year it look I, I think they have it but they haven't shown it what makes you right. sort of say that this would be a team you'd be nervous about playing in the playoffs 
Well, one is the pitching and defense and the depth of the bullpen. Bullpens are so important in the playoffs, and I think they're a plus there. I think their pitching is, if they get in, their pitching is going to be better than just about anybody else they play. And Alex Anthopoulos is 100% right. Um, it's been um, just kind of a, a bit of a false narrative that uh, power isn't as important in the playoffs and small ball is more important. Um, and, and I think the reason Al, I didn't hear the interview, but I think the reason Alex probably talked about this, well, two things, he's right. It's hard to get three consecutive hits off a Sonny Gray or off a Kyle Bradish or off a Tyler Glass now or, or, you know, whoever you're, you're pitching against, you, you got to run into one every now and again, uh, a higher percentage of runs are come on home runs in the playoffs than they do in the regular season. And that's because the pitchers are better and it is harder to get three hits in a row. Um, and th the other reason, again, is just kind of holding out this hope that these guys can be who they've been. Mm -hmm. Springer has power. Bichette has power. Uh, Guerrero has power. You know, and even down the list, Belt has some. Varsho has some. I think Danny Jansen's a big loss. I've yeah. always felt Danny Jansen is a big, big loss for this team. But, you know, and other teams are dealing with injuries, too. If they play the Rays in the playoffs... The Rays are more banged up than the Blue Jays are. So, but I, I do think they missed Danny Jansen. But they were always destined to hit fewer home runs this year, I believe. But it's not. It's not just the uh, you know they traded Teoscar and Gurriel and they brought in Varsho and Kiermaier. And yeah, you would expect you know fewer home runs um, in that exchange. But they gained a ton defensively and they gained a ton on the uh, in terms of base running. Um, it's it's the holdovers who haven't hit as many home runs. Right. Uh, you know, again, Springer's a little bit down. Vladdy hit 48 two years ago. You want to throw it out? Throw it out. He hit 32 last year, so he's a little bit down. Springer's a little bit down. Um, you know, Varsho, I think, hit 20, 25 or 27, I believe, last year with Arizona. He's at 18 this year. So, you know, it's just uh, Kirk's not hitting for as much power. Um uh, you know, Matt Chapman's been cold since April, right? He's got yeah. 15 home runs, 15 home runs. You know, Chapman's a guy you would expect would be, even if he didn't hit for a high average, you would expect 25 home runs right. from Matt Chapman. It, it's the guys who were with them last year who haven't hit for as much power. So I guess the reason I think they could do it is because they have done it. But whether they can do it going forward, none of us <laughs> knows. No, and uh, it's going to be a stressful couple of days here to finish uh, the season and then should things go correctly, uh, even more stressful next week. But uh, we're glad to hear you'll be along for the ride, taking us through it. I always appreciate you making time for me, Dan. Uh, like I said, I, I try not to uh, to bug you too often, but when I I guess I'm a little late to the party, but when I saw there was a beer with your name on it, I I had to reach out at that point. No so. problem. I, I, it didn't surprise me to get your email. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Dan. All right, Matt. Be well. So there he goes, and uh, and he made a little news while he was here. We like that. Uh, Dan Schulman will be on the Blue Jays broadcasts in the playoffs, should the Blue Jays themselves be in the playoffs. So uh, very exciting. And, uh, you know, last year, uh, Buck moved back from the uh, the color commentary position into play-by-play, -play, which obviously he has plenty of experience with. And that is the broadcast we got last year, but this year they will stick with their A-team. It will be Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez. So uh, very exciting there. That was fun. Always love that, uh, that Dan makes a little time for us and... Uh, you know, like I said, uh, once he kind of drifted, we all know what he does in the sports world, right? He's, he is the voice of a lot of major Canadian sporting events. And uh, But once he moved over into the, the world of beer, there was no chance that this show wasn't going to reach out and try and get him back on here. So uh, that was great. Uh, like I said off the top, 
Matt Connors Vita was in here on uh, episode 1170. We had a lot of fun talking Red Blacks and, uh, and some senators with him and a lot of music. Um, that was great. Tim McAuliffe was on the show not too long ago. All of this stuff is up at tallcanaudio.com. Uh, and just make sure you're subscribed on the pod wherever you're hearing us right now. And, uh, and you won't miss out on anything in the future. Uh, no doubt we'll talk a little bit more Jays here as the season winds down and hopefully some playoff baseball gets set in stone. We'll maybe reach out to uh, some of our other friends on that front and see who might have a little time for us to, uh, to talk about what that looks like. Uh, so stick around. Uh, until then, my name is Matt Robinson. Thanks so much for listening to the Tall Can Audio Podcast. We'll see you next time. That's it. Not work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.